Hello, friends, and welcome to episode number 229 of Bad Flips and Maple Dips. It's Patrick here in Halifax. He's Justin out in Saskatoon. Justin, spring training continues, and uh, yesterday the Jays put up, uh, what was it, a 13-inning? 14-run inning. A 14-run inning against the uh, stalwart Detroit Tigers. <laughs> uh, what an absolute... Oh, yeah, thir- it was 13 runs, sorry, you were right. It was 13, okay. Yeah. What an absolute drumming uh what can you even say uh really about it the jays are now five and three in spring training not that records or runs confirmed any of this matter yeah it none of it matters uh and they do play a game today against the philadelphia phillies who are also five and three world series uh matchup no probably not (laughs) could be phillies were there yeah maybe there, and they yeah, got better. What's great, though, is that we're seeing a lot of guys, uh, you know, do what we, we had hoped they were going to do. Kevon Biggio is having a great uh, great spring so far. Some of the pitchers that are depth, uh, depth pitchers in the system are performing up to snuff. So just kind of nice to see. I'm pleased. Yep, I mean the game yesterday was I, I watched the that fourth inning and it was pretty fun. Um, yeah, <laughs> the Tigers just like they committed four errors in that game too. Uh, the Jays only had four extra base hits. Uh, they had eleven singles. They kind of just small balled them to death. Uh, they actually, brutal. I think they, I think they scored like it was like eleven or twelve runs before there was even an out recorded in that inning too. They basically went through the batting order twice without recording an out. Almost, it was pretty intense. Um, yeah, there's but, really yeah. nothing to say. <laughs> it was uh, it was kind of funny. So, good old Detroit, always good to for a laugh. Indeed, but I mean, it's still it's great to see. Like, it's really great to see Otto Lopez is having a great spring. Cam yeah. Biggio is having a great spring. Kevin Kiermaier is hitting five fifty six. So, like, he's obviously really dialed in, uh, uh, making uh, you know a con- concentrated effort. Sustainable. At Vinny Capra hitting 400. He had seven runs batted in last night. Yeah, he uh, had the only home run in the game last night for the Blue Jays. Yeah, no, it's just great to see. And uh, even other things like uh, like Drew Hutchinson was was adequate. Uh, Thomas Hatch was not. Casey Lawrence was adequate. Bowden Francis was adequate. I mean, like, it, we're just, it's good to see even the depth guys performing. And uh, if you enjoy good performances, you'll listen to our podcast at BFMD Podcast on Twitter, website BFMDPodcast.com. You can find us wherever you find podcasts. Go ahead and leave us a review if you want. But, uh, Justin, let's get right into the news. Something that we thought was going to be concerning, maybe it is concerning to you. I don't know. Uh, take it away. Yeah, that was a 10 out of 10 segue, by the way. That was one of your best. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so the game a couple days ago, Vlad Guerrero Jr. was actually removed in the second inning with right knee pain. Um, the Blue Jays did get an MRI, revealed no structural damage, just some inflammation. He's resting. He talked to reporters this morning already and said that uh, he's thankful it's not worse. He's feeling better already. Um, he is going to skip the WBC, so no Vlad Guerrero Jr. for the Dominican Republic. That'll hurt uh, their team a little bit, but they still have a bunch of elite hitters there. Um, he's going to just focus on on healing up and getting better uh, to get back into spring action for the Blue Jays. But 
I myself, I mean, it's it's concerning anytime you hear like knee involved, it's inflammation, something that could flare up again. Not really sure how it kind of got tweaked in the first place, whether it was a swing, maybe fielding, running, could have been anything, but uh, definitely happy. It's nothing worse and won't require uh, like surgery or just a long rehab period it should be just like yeah he said like a week to 10 days max if not sooner so yeah glad it's not worse yeah and it's not going to impact his uh build up really at all yeah it uh, happened early enough in the spring so that's good yeah it's fine everything's fine yeah it's probably better that he's not at the wbc now too because i don't know like well i love the tournament it's it is risky obviously teams are send their send their guys out there relatively early in the year and it, there's always a risk of, of injury in that tournament even though you hope it doesn't happen but it is always a risk with any any competition whether it's hockey baseball or whatever else outside of the regular season it's it's always a risk um uh, moving on to the next thing uh we know alejandro kirk arrived at camp about a week ago now after the birth of his daughter we know that Brandon Belt's been working up to game action as he rehabs from knee, knee procedure in the offseason. Uh, they're both taking live BP today, and they're ramping up towards game action. I wouldn't be surprised if by the next time we record, those two guys have been in the lineup or are nearing a return. Uh, but it's good to see both of them kind of getting some work against live pitching. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll see them in game action very, very soon. The big news of the day, Patrick... It just came this. across our desk here. I'm you, so you I'm so happy. Yeah, per the Blue Jays, uh, they've announced that Jose Bautista, Joey Bats, will be added to the level of excellence later this summer on August the 12th. We've got some quotes from Mark Shapiro and Jose Bautista. So here we go from Bautista. I am deeply humbled and excited to join the Blue Jays' level of excellence and to be recognized among the distinguished names at Circle Rogers Center. Canada holds a special place in my heart and will always be home for my family and me. We can't wait to celebrate this honor with my beloved Blue Jays fans, the best fans in baseball. See you all this summer. Uh, during his time in Toronto, Jose obviously became a Canadian baseball icon. Fan favorite status was solidified during the famous Game 5 of the 2015 ALDS that, uh, against Texas when he had the bat flip kind of heard around the world and shook the foundation of Rogers Centre. And I kind of yeah brought everybody to their feet. I remember where I was when that happened. Um, Jose Bautista captured hearts and ignited a fan base as part of a team that brought Toronto back to the postseason for the first time in 22 years, said Mark Shapiro. His on-field achievements propelled the team to greatness, and he undoubtedly belongs on a Blue Jays level of excellence. On behalf of the organization, we are proud to honor Jose and his remarkable career with the Blue Jays, with Blue Jays fans, in August. Obviously, a guy who hit 54 home runs, led the American League in back-to-back -back seasons with home runs. And yeah, like like the like the article said, or the quote here says, became a Canadian baseball icon. So congrats to Jose. There's a great promo video on the Blue Jays' official Twitter feed, and I imagine all their social media platforms, a little 30-second teaser. And there will be a, a bat flip bobblehead that day for the first 15,000 fans. So if you've got tickets for that game already, congratulations. You lucked out. I, I couldn't be happier about this. This is a slam dunk, easy peasy move. Uh, and obviously, Jose has been such a huge part of this franchise from the moment that he arrived to even the present day, even though he's not really, uh, he's not employed by the team in any capacity. 
I believe he actually works for a team in the Dominican League or in a Dominican League right now. But, uh, yeah, love Jose. Uh, I remember exactly where I was, what I was doing when I saw that home run. And uh, I'm sure pretty much everybody does. Uh, just a probably one of the most iconic moments in Canadian sports history, period. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's at least the second most pivotal moment in Blue Jays history, mm -hmm. uh, just behind Joe Carter's uh, walk-off home run. I think that's... Yeah. That's got to be number one, <laughs> obviously. A one that's World number series. one. I'd say Jose's <laughs> is number two. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, it's up, it's right up there with, you know, winning a gold medal in ice hockey at the Olympics. I was thinking like, yeah, it's cultural the, impact. the Joe Carter and like Sidney Crosby golden goal in Vancouver are kind of like yep. two absolutely iconic moments is obviously yeah one, one championships and one gold, one, a gold medal. But yeah, that Jose one, it's, it's up it there. It's life changing. Yeah. The Edwin one too, right? <laughs> yeah. It was life changing for me. For sure. I mean, I've been a Blue Jays fan since I was six years old and uh, probably younger than that, actually. Um, I was six months old when the <laughs> Joe Carter home run happened. So <laughs> I was uh, I was six when they won the World Series, mm -hmm. the first one in 1992. Uh, but I was a fan. I don't know. I've been a fan basically since I was a baby. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, it's just. And it was it's it was one of those things where I just attached myself to the team because of of where they they were competitive at that time and and the Expos certainly were not. And even though my dad is an or was an Expos fan because the Expos are gone now, but um, it's funny. Baseball has just been something that's been in my life basically since I was a baby. Yeah. And that moment, the bat flip. The crowd exploding, causing like an earthquake in the stadium. It's just, I I did, I can't really think of anything that really compares except maybe Crosby's goal. Yeah, I mean, holy shit! <laughs> what a crazy moment. And then also, Jose Batista. It wasn't just the bat flip. I mean. The man hit very close to 300 home runs with the Jays across his tenure. He was the face of the team. Like you said, he hit 54 home runs. Hit between him and Edwin Encarnacion, another player, I hope, uh, does get his spot in the level of excellence as well, but that's a different... It's not about him today. It's all about Jose. But they were, you know, they're out there smashing home runs and getting paid, it, it was just incredible. What an incredible time in Blue Jays baseball. And now he goes to that uh, that special spot, that level of excellence. That's great. Yeah, no. Uh, there's not too many players in the level of excellence. Did, who else is there right now? I know for sure Doc's Doc, there. Doc is. And then Tony I believe, Fernandez is there. Yeah, but there's also... There's like an announcer, I think. Yeah, I'm gonna Tom have to Cheek's look this there. up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna have to do a quick number crunch here just to figure it out. Yeah, Tom Cheek's up there. Um yeah, Tony's up there, obviously. I believe Joe Carter's up there. Uh George Bell's up there, I know. Delgado's up there. I so I have a list Dave Steve. Paul Paul Beeston, George Bell, Joe Carter, Tom Cheek, Carlos Delgado. Fuck yeah. I hope Carlos gets in through the veterans committee sooner than later tony 
absolutely is there. Cito is there. Pat Gillick is there. Roy Halladay is there. Dave Steve is there. And of course, (laughs) Jose Bautista is going to be joining the level of excellence uh, this year. August 12th, was it? Yeah, August 12th. Man, it's fucking awesome. Just looking at this list gets me so hyped. (laughs) There's just like... Jose definitely belongs in the level of excellence. Like it's it's just un undoubtedly uh, such a huge uh, impact player for this team. Really, he started it all. If you think about it, like when the team just started to get good again in the early two thousand tens, and he 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 was the guy. He was the man. Sure was. He was the, he was the leader. Then yep. we got Donaldson, and it just like everything clicked. Back-to-back ALCSs, no World Series, but that's okay. We got there. And uh, now with the rebuild, and we're right back to where we were seven years ago, which is we have a very competitive team, and uh, this one is is locked up to, to hopefully last longer than, uh, than the 2015 to 2016 team. Do you have any final thoughts? Nope. Uh, last piece of news that I want to get to. It's uh, Boba Shot's 25th birthday today. So happy birthday to hey, Bo. Man, he's so young. He's <laughs> yeah. already played like 400 games in MLB. Yep. And he's Him and Vladdy are going into their fifth seasons here. That's already. so and crazy. Vladdy's younger than Bo. <laughs> yeah. And, and then Kirk's younger, younger than both, both of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kirk and Manoa is Manoa's the same 25 age as well. Yeah. Or no. I thought Manoa was a little bit was the same age as Kirk. No, no one went to college, so he's... Uh, oh, okay, yeah. He's, so he's 25. Kirk is 23, going on 24. Yeah, Alec Manoa is already 25. He turned 25 on January the 9th. He, they're still... They're so young. It's crazy. I'm so excited for the future. Let's talk more baseball. Uh, we're going to preview the bullpen today. I'm really excited. I mean, obviously, you know me. I like a good closer. Justin, there's lots to talk about when it comes to our bullpen. It's it's very different than what it used to be. This team doesn't rely on just home runs and power and muscle to win games now. Now we do actually rely on our bullpen, and it's kind of interesting how it has taken shape over the last few years. Um, let's get right into it, though, shall we? We shall. Yeah, Okay. Let's start with the back end, hey? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to take this one or you do you want for me it. to do it? You started off with Jordan Romano for us. All right, here it is. Jordan Romano, the absolute psychopath who, <laughs> watching him in the bullpen before he comes out, you'd swear to God he was a caged animal uh, <laughs> stalking his prey uh, from behind bars. It's just, it's crazy. And then, obviously, he gets the very cool entrance with the lighting and the fanciness and uh i'm excited to see what that looks like in the renovated rogers center this year uh especially with the elevated bullpens i'm excited man this is this is a guy uh, who the uh, markham maniac if you will i love that nickname too (laughs) the maniac of markham or the markham maniac i don't know which way you want to say it but romano has really come into his own uh, the last couple of years, we didn't really have a closer uh, for a little while. Uh, I'm, well, I guess Ken Giles, but then he got hurt and it created a hole on this team. And Jordan Romano filled that hole uh, quite nicely. 
Um, just looking back at the last two years, there's been some changes in how he pitches. However, he's he's so effective. Um, the K's uh, are impressive. You'll you'll see him get over ten K's per nine, which is right on par with what you want a closer to be. Uh, the walks are down over the last couple of years. He's gotten it under three. He is the kind of guy who does walk players. You just kind of have to have patience when you watch him close. He's not afraid to put guys on. And um, the big thing I think we saw last year, which was concerning, was the the tripling of the number of home runs he gave up. He Agreed. went from having a home uh, 1.00 home run per nine to 2.95. Um uh, I believe he only he blew like six or no he blew more than six saves last year but um holy shit just the stress sometimes of watching him close games it was tough when he get when he he's behind it seems like he really struggles but when he's got open bases he's he just mulls them down um left a, a slightly fewer guys on base and it, the batting average actually was pretty consistent. It was just the home runs were the big problem. That being said, uh, his FIP decreased, his ex-FIP uh, increased a little bit. He's still a, a 1.6 F4 player last year. Um, let's get into the advanced stuff. Justin, what can you tell me? What do you see out of him that you like? Yeah, for me with Romano, it's all about that uh, chase rate and the whip rate. This guy, he's a, he's a strikeout machine and i mean when you're walking guys you do have to have that swing and miss stuff as a as a counter uh i think for me what, what really just jumps out is that when he does get hit he gets hit pretty hard and that's evidenced by the the home run numbers there uh i was looking back and the year prior in 2021 he was actually near the top in terms of hard hit percentage he went from 85th percentile in 2021 down to the fourth percentile in hard hit percentage so I think it was kind of just that mixture of, uh, yeah, like you said, the home run numbers. But also looking back kind of just at where his pitches were, um, his his slider in 2020, uh, 2022 was working a bit a bit more inconsistent, I would say. 2021, he was kind of, he had a really good heat map right at the bottom of the strike zone. This year, it kind of moved up a little bit to where his main heat map was. So I think just getting that slider down a bit more. He also threw the slider more. He only threw it 36% in 2021. It jumped up to 51. He actually threw it more than his fastball. So I think it might have just been a bit of a pitch mix thing where guys were likely sitting on the heater more so uh, and kind of leaving the slider alone. And the four-seam fastball in 2022, it was a very, it was a much bigger dark red blotch where it covered most of the upper half of the zone whereas in 2021 it was very firmly there the big red dot was right in the middle upper upper middle so i think just a little bit of location issues for romano last year led to to some issues there i'm honestly surprised he doesn't throw a changeup. i know he's a two-pitch guy but having a changeup when you're throwing your fastball at an average of 97 uh, with the potential to touch 100 it, it just seems like it would be a, a good thing for him to potentially maybe one day incorporate. I'm not saying he needs it, but it's always an option. So look, I'm just looking. I'm look, this year. I'm looking for location. That's the big thing for me, based on what we've seen the last couple seasons. I think he needs to get back to just dotting that fastball more so than trying to blow it blow blow it past people. 
Yeah, I would agree. I think the big thing that that uh, that we should note when it comes to the concern about the home runs is that he didn't give up a home run after August the second. Uh, after that, yeah, uh, he did not give up a home run. Uh, it's just he. There were just a few appearances, and they were against premier teams where he gave up the long ball. And I think he still only gave up like a very small number of home runs. It's just the numbers it's magnified, are, yeah. it's magnified just because of the low, uh, you know, the low PAs. Uh, he appeared in 63 games and pitched 64 innings. So he's a ninth inning guy, pretty much exclusively ninth inning. Um, He's, he's very effective. He's a two-pitch guy. His number one pitch is his slider, which is weird to say, but it is. Uh, he threw 51.8% last year, slider. Very aggressive with the slider, not a biting slider, trying to bite the corners. It's dead center mm-hmm. of the plate, um, but you, know, you do that when your slider is well above league average in velocity. And you want to mix it up with your fastball, which, again, dead center. A little bit higher in the zone than what I would be comfortable with. I would be a little bit uh, scared. That's probably why some of those balls got cranked, uh, <laughs> you know, 400-plus feet. There were a few walk-offs. It is what it is. Uh, but still, uh, you know, 36 saves. I'll take it. He is a very effective reliever. Uh, I don't know if you can find the data, but uh, what was his blown save? How many blown saves did he have last year? Wasn't that many? It's like six. Uh, six seven. blown saves out of forty-two chances. Still, pretty good percentage. That's pretty strong. I think the big thing, if you go through the game log, is like the blown saves. Yeah, are, I remember um, one of those was the walk-off home run in Houston, and then one was a walk-off there in Judge in New York as well. I do remember those two. <laughs> yep, there were those. There was, um, just having a look, there was a home run against Tampa uh, uh, August the 2nd, and that was the last one that he conceded for the year. Um, but, I mean, he was pretty goddamn sharp. Second yep. half of the year, yep. I mean, he was an all-star. He was. Uh, and he pitched like it the rest of the year. Um, I I have no concerns at all with this guy. We still have many years of him. I don't even think he's arbitration yet. So plenty of control. He'll be arbitration after this season, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Free plenty agent at the exact control. same time as uh, Vladdy and Bo. He's a very... Uh, I wouldn't say, yeah, I guess he is kind of an intimidating force on the mound. I wouldn't want to pitch against him because he's kind of psycho. Yeah, he's he's six uh, five. He's a big dude out there. So he's a big he's a big man. He's got the extension that we like. He's got the velo that we like. Yeah. He gets the chases. He just he gets hit when he gets hit. He gets hit real hard, and uh, he'll look to limit the home runs. I I doubt that they stay as high as two point nine five again two years in a row. Yeah. So. I feel good, man. I think he, I mean, looking back on last year, I would have given him a solid A for his performance, and, and I expect to see more of the same, and he's our closer, and uh, I I don't, I, I feel comfortable when he comes into the game. Yep. Uh, next up on the list here is Eric Swanson. So he came back in the Teoscar Hernandez trade from Seattle. So... <laughs> 
This guy is a stat cast darling. We'll say that right off the top. So uh, last season was his uh, really his second full season in the big leagues, I would say. Uh, he kind of had some time. Uh, in 2019, I guess he pitched quite a bit, but he actually was kind of a hybrid last season. He had eight games started, so I'm guessing some of those were probably bullpen days. 2020, he only appeared in nine games for Seattle. 2021, he appeared in 33, and then last year he was up to 57. So he really became a full-time big leaguer, and he deserved it. He was dominant. So in 53 and two-thirds innings, Patrick, he struck out 11.74 batters per nine innings, walked only 1.68, and gave up 0.5 home runs per nine. Uh, that led to a 1.68 ERA, which was uh, beat his FIP projection, which was 1.85, and the XFIP of 2.72, because, of course, XFIP kind of uh, normalizes and standardizes home run rate around 11, uh, or around 15% on fly balls. Uh, war was 1.7, so he was incredibly valuable. He was actually 0.1 more war valuable than Jordan Romano, according to Fangraphs last year. Kind of a different pitcher, though, of course. He did end up saving three games for the Mariners. Um, but, yeah, the big thing for this guy is that he is a swing and miss guy. So he's that kind of that missing piece. The Jays have always had Romano as swing and miss the last couple seasons, but they haven't really had somebody else that was incredibly reliable. I mean, of course, we'll talk about Jimmy Garcia. He has some capacity to do so. But Eric Swanson is going to be that guy they bring in when they need some strikeouts. When they've got tough... Uh, opposition hitters coming up he'll be the guy they bring in I like him because he's equally good against lefties and righties Patrick he actually had more uh, total batters faced against lefties last year he held them to a 200 average and righties were 205 so it doesn't really matter he doesn't have the splits he's a guy you can use exactly wherever you want that's a big thing for me the whip last year was below one because of the low walk numbers, so he's not going to give up a ton of base runners. He's really that ideal eighth inning guy. He's going to come in eighth inning, seventh inning when the middle of the other team's order is coming up or when it's a tight ball game and hopefully keep the opposition exactly where they are. It's uh, an incredible pickup. All of his savant numbers are red. And there's nothing that he does that's below the 50th percentile. His lowest is his fastball velo at 52nd, but he still throws 94 on average. So nothing really uh, <laughs> alarming there. But it's it's definitely a sight to behold when you open up his savant page, eh? It is everything you want in an eighth inning guy. Uh, his weakest pitch is his slider, and it's sti- you know it's still a slider. It's still not easy uh to deal with it did get beat up quite a bit last year so i wouldn't even be surprised if it gets dropped or minimized he'll still throw it but yeah yeah. he'll still throw it but it was hit uh 359 average uh, it was his least utilized pitch we'll make that noted too it it is yes he only threw it 19.8 percent of the time that that percentage is going to go way down Mm -hmm. uh this year they're not gonna risk it if you look at the heat map it's the type of it's that annoying ass slider that just comes out of the zone uh, last second and you're swinging at it and you look like an idiot. <laughs> uh, it's a it, it's a good pitch, but uh, it got roughed up. That was by far his worst pitch. Uh, look at the heat map for his four seamer. It is just a red dot surrounded by uh, you know a lot of pink and a lot of dark red, which means that he he paints that spot over and over again, and it's in the upper half, uh, which is tempting for guys 
Um, but that's why you throw it. If you can throw it with heat, which he does. It's about an average fastball, but, uh, you know, those are hard to still hard to hit. Yeah. Um, uh, one thing to note, he throws that split finger change. So get him yes. in a room with Kevin Gosman ASAP <laughs> if they yeah. haven't already. He's got the split chain, and again, you've got one spot. Uh, he threw a couple of oopsies uh, on the inside. Uh, but, uh, again, he painted that bottom part of the, uh, the strike zone. Mm-hmm. Some guys were swinging at it and missing. Ugly, ugly, ugly swings, probably. Um, yeah, this is everything we need in an eighth-inning guy. This is exactly what we needed. My... Only concern with Eric Swanson is that last year he pitched 53.2 innings, and we need more than that. We need him to be ready for more than just that this year because he's going to be the guy who sets up for Romano, and we need him to be, you know, every game that we're, you know, we've got that 3-2-4-2-5-4 lead, whatever, he's going to be trotting out there, and we need him to get three outs. Yeah, keep in mind, I mean, he only appeared in six six fewer games than Romano did last year, um, so yeah. just the the outings just weren't as long to get that that ten inning difference in six less games. So I mean, he's he's probably brought in a lot of times to mop up messes and then just didn't come back out for the next inning. So, uh, yep, absolutely. I'm not too concerned but with that. We do need a little bit more from him this year. Hopefully, hopefully a lot, hopefully more, because <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of wins on the board. <laughs> exactly. This is a this is a guy that I think. I mean, he was a 1.7 F WAR player last year, which is more than Jordan Romano. Yep. Uh, that's a huge addition to the bullpen. Massive. Uh, that was already pretty solid, uh, and uh, yeah, this is great. I'm really excited. Let's talk about uh, Jimmy Garcia. Yes, please. Um, okay. Huge fan. <laughs> this is what I like about Jimmy Garcia. Uh, he limits hard contact. He uh, has a great fastball. Uh, he's got a great curve. Uh, he doesn't get guys to chase a lot, but he just guys just can't hit off of him. Mm-hmm. It's really frustrating for guys. He can't get a home run off of him. He saw a decline in this home run per nine. Uh, he stranded a lot more runners this year. He walked a lot fewer batters. And uh, the ERA came down as a result. Yep. Um I don't know why I was down on him middle of last year. I think he had some, he had a few tough appearances in a row, but he still ended up finishing about one F war. Um, I love what Jimmy uh, has. I think he's a solid seventh inning guy, whether we are down by one or up by one or two or three. He's just a guy that's you can rely upon to get the job done. And he improved uh, in between seasons. So I expect to see more of the same. I'd love to see him get a little bit more on whiffs, but uh, I think that really just comes down to his stuff and uh, and how he is perceived by the rest of the league. What do you got for Jimmy? Yeah, uh, like you said, I, I really like that he was able to kind of bring the uh, the home run numbers down. That's obviously what you want from a reliever is a guy who's not going to give up a ton of ton of the long balls. Yeah, I feel pretty confident when Jimmy comes in. I I think he does a lot better coming in with clean innings, but at the same time, uh, I mean, he's he's got the kip, the capacity to to limit damage because of that low walk number. I mean, yeah, like you said, I'm, 
the chase rate's not super low, but he does have uh, really good stuff. I mean, he's got great spin on it, both his fastball and his curve. And if you look at heat maps again, like the four steamer, he works it up in the zone, the slider in the curve, he works down and mostly away. And then he also throws a sinker as well too, and a change up. So he's a rare five pitch reliever. Um, none of his pitches are, are awful. The curveball did get hit pretty hard last year, but it, Outside of that, it has a it has a relatively strong track record, so it was maybe just an off year with that pitch. But the four seamer last year was definitely his best. He had an, at a negative eighteen run value, it was one of the best reliever four seamers in baseball last year. Um, so hopefully he can continue that that pattern because uh, he he actually doesn't throw the four seamer as much as you would think. It's is it, uh, I mean, it, it, I thought it would be more than fifty percent, but it's only hit forty four point four. So maybe we'll see that kind of ratchet up and maybe utilize the the sinker and the curve a bit less and more go so fastball slider change. Similar to what I wish Romano would have. Uh, this guy is awesome because, I mean, the Blue Jays have him for $5 million this year and then they have a $5 million club option on him for 2024. So if, if he pitches anywhere near what he did last season, it'll be an easy pickup and it'll be another guy to keep around. He's 32 right now. He'll turn 33 midseason here. So he's still a guy who's kind of in the prime of his career as a relief pitcher. So hopefully he can uh, continue to do what he did last year. But yeah, I love this guy. Like you said, seventh inning, close game, guy you can rely on to come off the off the bench there with the pen and and hopefully get a bunch of outs. My only complaint about Jimmy Garcia is that way too many times he left the curveball in the zone and it was just yeah. easy pickings and yeah, it got his curveball got absolutely clobbered last year you mm-hmm. can if you look at the map uh way too many curveballs ended up in the zone so i think he'll want to workshop the curve or maybe stick to trying to jam guys with the sinker or uh or stick with the slider i don't know i'm not a coach but Definitely the curveball got clobbered. The data's there. It doesn't lie. I think it was like a 700 slug or something close to that. Yeah, the only real changes Oof. for him between 2021 and 2022 were that he he kind of doubled um, doubled the sinker usage from 2021 to 2022, and the changeup usage uh, actually stayed the same, but it went from his fourth most used pitch to his, his fifth most used pitch. So he kind of just really up to the sinker and stop throwing the, the changeup as much. So, uh, the, the stats on the curveball, though, they got much, much worse. Yeah. He only threw two extra curveballs than he did in 2021 than he, for 2022. The slug went from 290 to 778. If you look at the expected numbers, though, there's a bit of a difference there, right? Like the expected numbers were pretty much the same. Expected slug this year was 452. And the year before it was 4.53. So I mean, definitely some some BABIP BABIP happened, kind of like what happened to Kevin Gosman. And batting average on it this year was 4.44 to only a 2.89 expected. So there was definitely some batted ball uh, things in play there. But yeah, it it did get hit in reality. The expected numbers are obviously not the reality, but worth pointing out. Yep, still like him. Uh, yep. He's a he's a great seventh inning guy. Uh, this next guy here that you're going to talk about is also another great seventh inning guy who had a fucking legendary season. Yeah, uh, Timmy Mesa. Yeah. The only left, or sorry, we're talking about Anthony Bass first, right? That's right. Yeah, my bad, I skipped Bass. Uh, Anthony Bass. Yeah, so this is a, obviously a guy who's 
in the middle of his second stint with the Blue Jays, was acquired from Miami right around the trade deadline last season. So he was Miami's closer before he came over. He appeared in 73 games last year and 70 and a third innings overall. Strikes out just over a batter per nine or a batter per inning, 9.34 per nine. Walks 2.56 per nine. 0.77 home runs per nine. Leaves nearly 90% of runners on base. Opponents hit only 200 against him. The whip was at 1.01. Had a 154 ERA, which, was, which way beat his projections, a 3.0 FIP and a 3.34 X FIP. Again, those numbers are buoyed a bit by the low home run numbers. Uh, F war was 1.3, which is a big improvement over his 2021 when he was a negative 0. 0.4. Um, big thing for me with this guy, Patrick, I, I love Anthony Bass against righties. I do not want him out there against left-handers so much. His splits are, are not super friendly in that regard. Uh, just for the, for, the, for the reference to numbers there, uh, against left-handed batters, they hit 268 against them last year. The OPS was around 731. And for righties, they hit 159 with an OPS under 500 against Anthony Bass last year. So he's definitely a pretty big splits guy. Uh, so he'll be the guy who'll come in to take on the judges, the Stantons of the world, but Raphael Devers might not see Anthony Bass or, or very little of him this year, just for reference. But definitely a guy who has pretty good stuff. He's got decent velo on the fastball, great whiff percentage at 88, chase rates at 86. Like He's another swing and miss guy here, so him and Swanson are going to be the two guys who will be brought in. Swanson will come in when there's more lefties coming up, obviously, with the splits for him. And Bass will be in the face of those tough right-handers as well. So all three of these guys we've talked about here with Swanson, Jimmy, and Bass will likely see 7th and 8th inning time. And then the next guy, Timmy Meza, will be there as well as the only lefty. But the Jays definitely have that wealth of options now in the uh, late, later innings that they haven't had for a while. I love Anthony Bass's pitch mix. Slider, sinker, sinker, slider. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's delicious. Uh, and they were very effective. Both of those pitches were very effective. He throws uh, slider primarily 55% of the time, sinker 30% of the time, and then he kind of mixes it up here and there with a four-seamer or a split finger. Um, it's I don't know. It's I always like seeing guys who don't throw the fastball as their number one or their number two pitch because um, it's annoying and you hate facing it. Uh, so that's why I like having Anthony Bass on this team. The slider, the heat map is beautiful. It's exactly what you want your slider to be, biting the corner. Uh, the sinker, the heat map is a little bit uh, spread out, but it, again, it's all it's in the opposite corner on the inside, so you get lots of shitty contact. You're not really going to drive that very far. Um, and then the fastball is aggressively in the upper half of the zone but he only throws that you know 10% of the time and then the splitter is way in as well uh or split finger rather um he just he's just a guy like you just don't want to face him he's got the velocity it's all above average mm -hmm. and his pitch placement is just too good it's just too he's so frustrating to hit against agreed yeah no um, it's definitely good to have have that uh that ability as a reliever <laughs> the sinker and the slider both improved uh from 2021 to 2022 
And uh, he went from being a negative value player, uh, according to F4, to a 1.3 F4 player last year. Very, very valuable in that pen. It's great to have guys, one or two guys, who could do the seven. So, yeah. kudos to Anthony Bass. The other guy I think we'll see in particular situations, uh, seems to be pretty consistent with about 50 innings pitched every season, is Tim Meza. Mm-hmm. Uh, Timmy didn't get 50 uh, innings last year, so the uh, savant metrics are a little bit limited. Incomplete. But, uh, yeah, we, we saw a slight downtick in his Ks uh, from 9.68 to 8.14. His his walks were pretty consistent, about two per nine. Uh, he gave up maybe a couple of extra home runs, but he, he limited base runners a lot better, about 10% better. And even though he got hit a little bit more and the whip came up, the ERA came down, uh, so he beats the FIP projections. X-FIP is about the same, and he went from a, about a one-war F4 player to a 0.1. I'm not sure why there would be such a drastic decline in F4. It was in that the, case. I think, the home runs. and Yeah. Um, yeah, that would be the big thing was the home run numbers. And the strikeouts got- went down, so... He just got hit a little bit harder. Um, yeah. But I still thought, Tim, like for a guy who had near career ending injury. Yes. And went back to school and to come back and to have a sub 3.5 ERA as a reliever two years in a row. Fuck, I'll take that. And he's the only lefty in the, our pen that we project. So he's very, very useful. And uh, I think he'll see more specialty innings. Uh, as opposed to regularly scheduled seventh inning stuff because we have more guys who can take that pressure off of him. Uh, I just love Tim Meza. I believe he's the longest 10-year J now. Is that correct? Yes, I believe that sounds that sounds right. The guy who's been on the roster the longest? Yeah, probably. I mean, this yeah, will be even, his sixth Yeah, even including season. the injury. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's... Uh, after not pitching at all in 2020, yeah, this will be the sixth season for him. Because, yeah, Danny Jansen came in for 2018, so he was a, a year after Tim. So, yeah, I Didn't think Tim, Tim is would be the longest guy. What, wasn't Tim on the roster in 2016? Isn't Negative, he the last? no. 2017 was Who his was first it that year. Was, oh, it was Romano. Romano, Romano. was the last. Yeah, but he was gone Didn't from the organization for a little bit in the Rule 5. So, Yeah, yeah. that's right. Uh, yeah. So, Timmy yeah. is one of the longest tenured Jays, and... Uh, what do you what do you like about Tim? I I like that he's a lefty. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, the obviously. only lefty in our bullpen at this moment, so he's highly important. If anything were to happen to him, there would be some some trouble. Eric Swanson to become the new lefty specialist, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But uh, yeah, Mesa's he, he does a good job. I mean, he, he's definitely better against lefties. Last year, one sixty two against lefties, two ninety one against righties. So he's kind of the he's the uh, the oppo Anthony Bass. These guys will take turns depending on what where they are in the lineup, uh, kind of sinker, thing. Sinker, so. slider, slider, sinker. Yeah, that's what Tim <laughs> does too. The difference is Tim's sinker map is all over the place. Yeah, last year the sinker map uh, was a little bit wonky. Twenty twenty one, he did a better job of keeping it away from righties and down and in on lefties. So. Again, it's another thing of uh, about location for him. 
Um, if you look back at his 2019 pitch map, it's very, very nice. But back then, he threw more four-seam fastballs. He's pretty much abandoned the four-seamer. He only threw one last year and two the year before that were classified as such. And they were probably more so just misreleased sinkers or sliders. Um, but definitely a guy who... He's got that power sinker, right? He still throws 94 on the sinker, which is, is a pretty good velo for that pitch. 89 mile an hour slider, which is a little bit below or a little bit above league average for that pitch, actually. Um, I, I definitely enjoy watching him go out there. I don't think he's afraid of yeah, attacking same. anybody, whether or not they are a lefty or a righty. Definitely gets gets hit harder by those right-handers. Uh, five of his seven home runs allowed were two righties last year, and he plunked. Uh, one ready and didn't hit any lefties so it's kind of interesting with that crossfire delivery of a left-hander usually you'll you'll hit lefties but he didn't do that he just does a really good job of jamming left-handed hitters and those righties they reach those they get that extension on those outside pitches that uh, you don't want to have happen but i definitely like having him in the bullpen he's he's a great asset to the organization he's been around for a long time now and uh without him there would be a gaping hole in terms of a uh, guy who can dominate lefties on a consistent basis. So it's definitely uh, good to have him around there. Yep. Great pitch mix. I love it. Sinker, slider, slider, sinker. Annoying as hell. Um, a little bit more control, I think, with the sinker. I mean, it was still like a, his most valuable pitch by far. It was mm -hmm. actually, the stats are are a little bit worse, but the run value of the sinker was was much higher uh, in 2021 or 2022 than it was 2021. Uh, the slider got beat up though. Yeah. Slider got beat up real bad last year. Uh, you look at the map and uh, it's tough because the slider is something that you want to, you, you want to bite the zone. You don't want to leave it too much in there. Uh, but it got taken a little bit for a ride uh, last year. 704 slug. Uh, a uh, 574 X slug. Still pretty high. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's con concerning. It's alarming. Yeah. I'm glad he ditched the four seamer. We'll see what happens with his slider this year. You got to have two pitches. Uh, you can't just dump the slider. So I don't know. We'll see what, we'll see what we see out of him. He's 31. He's a guy who's been with the team forever at this point. The injury in 2020 was devastating. Fortunately, you know, it was a shortened season. So, I don't know. I, I guess that's the silver lining, I guess. But uh, I'm excited to see what he has to offer. Uh, this year, I think he'll be, like, uh, like we said earlier, specialty guy. Uh, so... Yeah, would you say that the five guys that we've talked about so far could all be classified as high leverage? Uh, yeah, I Tim is kind of borderline. I think He's he has to be considered that because of the lefty thing. Yeah, if it, if we had more lefties, then I would say like he's he would be like very borderline. Yeah. Like if, uh, if you've got if you've got Raphael Devers coming up in the bottom of the eighth inning or something, it's probably Mazer or Swanson that are going to be in the game there because you're not going to put Bass in against. Depends the on what depends on what the score. Obviously, is. But, yeah, but yeah. I'm 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 talking about high leverage situations. So, like if it's three two Jays, you're going to see Swanson over Mazer. 
maybe depends who else is in the order too like behind him like i mean if alex verdugo's in there as well as a lefty then maybe you might see Meza. yeah yeah you're, no, you're gonna lefty. see Meza. yeah if it, if it goes yeah you're right but uh yeah it's it that's that's the only reason i'm kind of cons- i kind of do consider tim as as high leverage because of the fact that he is the only lefty so he's he's going to get used in in a variety of, of of situations but i would put him in that high leverage role personally i actually think he's going to see he's not going to see as many innings yes because of swanson yes but who the fuck knows cuz you still got to play the game <laughs> and he went from, I mean, he only went from what was it, four or fifty-three to forty-eight point two. Yeah, he just missed out on getting that fifty inning last year, which would have helped complete his savant. Did he was four outs away? So. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, he he appeared in two more games, but just had an inning and a third, or four and a third innings less over the season. He's so. a, he's a specialty guy. Yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of specialists. Adam Simber is like the definition of a specialist because he's just his his savant page. It's tough to look at it because it doesn't factor in deception at all. And when you're coming from down under on the right side with your delivery, you might only be throwing like 84 miles an hour on your fastball, but <laughs> you're it, it it's a lot harder to look at because it's coming from a weird angle. It's basically coming from from behind you as a right-handed batter when he lets it go. So I mean. It's tough to even classify Simber based off of the, the the savant metrics because of that fact. Because just if you look at his release point, it's just so far towards third base. It's it's just wild to think that you can even pitch eighty seven at that velocity, let alone in the big leagues. Uh, he's a fastball slider guy, Patrick. The slider he throws thirty five point three percent of the time. I love looking at his slider heat map. Because typically a slider heat map is going to be more like down and to the left or, or down to the right on an angle. But his is like a frisbee slider, right? Because it goes more, more straight sideways. Um, so the, the slider heat map is really fun to look at because it's mostly on the outer half to righties or the inner half to lefties. And then that four-seam fastball, he really gets up and in on right-handed batters. And then that sinker that he throws every now and then, the two-seamer, he gets that one kind of down in the lower half of the zone. Uh, last season he did get hit around a little bit more so. The the, the exit velocity is never going to be an issue for him, but last year the batting average went up a little bit. It went up from two thirty two in twenty twenty one to two forty three. The walk numbers actually dropped, but his home runs went up. And when you say Adam Simber's home runs tripled, you'd be generally really nervous. But for him, it went from zero point two five to zero point seven six. So still basically half of league average. League average is right around 1.5 per nine. Uh, so definitely a guy who still doesn't give up a lot of the long ball. Was still a 0.9 F4 player last year and pitched to a 280 ERA. He appeared in 77 games as a reliever, which led the Blue Jays, and 70.2 innings. So um, such a weird guy to, just to, to talk about in terms of stats because there are very few comparable pitchers to him in big in the big leagues. But definitely a guy who falls into a nice kind of Swiss Army knife role where you, you'll bring him in if you're uh, up four or if you're down four. If it's just like maybe your starter doesn't get out of the fifth inning, he's a guy who can pitch you the sixth. Like really just a guy who has a variety of roles that he'll fulfill. And he'll be kind of John Schneider's kind of go-to in just middle relief situations regardless of 
of who's coming up. He does better against lefties than righties. Um, but then again, like it's not a terrible split. Uh, righties do hit 270 against them, but the OPS is still under 700 and lefties are kind of in the same boat. OPS is under, under 700, but they only hit 214. So better against lefties, but at the same time, he'll see more right-handed batters just because he is a right-handed pitcher. But yeah, weird guy to talk about. <laughs> you like home runs and walks? Well, too bad you're not yeah. getting any from Adam Simber. <laughs> nope. He just doesn't walk guys. He doesn't really give up home runs. Uh, he's just uh, another guy who's just annoying to hit, to, to hit against. That's just the way that he's built. The sinker got beat up last year. That was his worst pitch. It's also the one he pitched the fewest. The X slug for that was 474. Ugly, but not like bowling shoe ugly. Like it's it's a serviceable pitch, and it's it's weird because it's like it's not a, a regular sinker. It's a sinker that's like practically dead center in the plate, which is you would think that would just get taken for a ride, but no, because his delivery is so weird. It's almost impossible to talk about this man's advanced statistics. Yeah, you, you just, you honestly, like like I said, with the lack of comps, you really just can't. Like, you know he's not going to be a, a fastball velo guy, but he's a contact kind of darling more so, where he doesn't give up that, that hard hit very often. Yeah, it's just, I don't even know. It's impossible to talk about him aside from he's saying, Adam like, I, <laughs> I like his stuff. I like when he goes into the uh, into the game, I don't. I would. He was probably in more high leverage situations in twenty twenty one than he was in twenty twenty two. But that being said, he still he can still strike guys out even with his weird his his you know his weird stuff, which shouldn't play as well as it does, but it does. Go figure. I am a little bit concerned going into this year, though, since we did see a decline in effectiveness. But he's still about a, a 1F4 player, which is incredibly valuable in the bullpen. The fact that he is number like six, what is it, five or six on our depth? I mean, yeah, Jesus, six, I, I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'll take, yeah, I'll take that. It's, uh, it's a long, a far cry from where he was probably like fourth on the depth chart last year or even third at some points. Yeah. So it's uh, definitely uh, an improvement. Now, these last two bullpen spots that we're going to talk about, they're really in flux. We're going with the Fangrass projections here based on guys who don't have any minor league options left. Um, Trevor Richards and Mitch White are the last two guys we'll discuss today. Richards is a guy who's incredibly frustrating because he has the best strikeout ability outside of Eric Swanson. Uh, on this team, he led the Blue Jays bullpen in strikeouts last year, Patrick, which is no small thing. Um, yeah. But at the same time, the issues for him are the walks and kind of the batting average against last year. So 2021, he appeared for three different teams, Tampa, Milwaukee, and Toronto. And he had a case per nine of just below 11 and walks were right around three. This year, he appeared in 62 games, same amount of innings, 64 innings. Strikeouts were up 11.5, but the walks went from 3.08 to 4.92. So basically two more walks from that innings. 
home runs actually dropped. So that wasn't a huge issue. But for him, it was the left on base issues there. Only 64.7% of runners were left on base compared to just about 80 the year before. So a 15% uh, decline there as well, too. He was just getting hit more. If you look at the XFIP and the FIP, very similar. I mean, XFIP in 2021 was 3.8. This past year, it was 4. But the ERA was a complete difference. 3.5 in 2021 to 5.3 this past season. So just to kind of uh, illustrate it, it was really a, it was a walks issue for Trevor Richards. He has one of the best changeups in baseball. His K rate is 85th percentile. His whiff rate is 95th, and his chase is 84th. It's not a matter of him missing bats. It's a matter of too many runners on base. Fourth percentile walks. That tells you all you need to know. It's definitely a guy who... It's tough to give up on a guy who can strike out 11.5 batters per nine and really should be better than he is. But at the same time, if, if, if it goes throughout the spring, and he's had a kind of a rough spring so far. It's only been a couple of appearances. So again, it's too early to say anything. But if he does have a rough spring, I don't, I don't, it's going to be tough for the Blue Jays to justify keeping him in the bullpen if he's not going to be able to contribute meaningfully. Yes. Um, I've been pretty critical about Trevor Richards for at least a season now. Yeah. Um, his fastball went from being very good to very bad <laughs> to his really bad X slug was 566, which is bad. So he's missing the zone a lot with the curveball and with the changeup. And if you're, you know, you're serving up meatballs with your four seamer, you're not going to yeah. have a good time. I just didn't, I just, I, I understand he can strike guys out. I get yeah. it. Uh, the chase rate's really good. The, the whiff's good. K's good, but everything else is so bad. Yeah, it's it's kind of a it's He's a similar. He's like Thomas Hatch, except he still has a job in MLB. <laughs> similar issue to to Kevin Gosman, where batters know the changeup's going to be down, so they look for the fastball up. I'm not saying they're the same pitcher, of course they aren't, but it's the same type of location idea, where if you don't have that third pitch, like his curveball was just so wildly inconsistent last year, that batters are going to sit on the heater, and that's what they did. I'm, I'm going to say something that's going to be super spicy. <laughs> I think this is the most vulnerable spot in the bullpen. Yeah, definitely. Oh, maybe it's not spicy. I agree with you. I mean, it has to be because, I mean, everyone else that we've talked about so far, the first five, of course, Jordan Romano through Tim Meza are all going to be guys who get into leverage situations. Simber's your Swiss Army knife. Richards is a guy who was kind of counted on to start innings when the Jays were up by a few runs in like the sixth or seventh when their starter couldn't get deeper into the game. And off, and he even opened a few games last year, and, and oftentimes it, it didn't go well. Uh, and he was even counted on to try and get more than three outs a couple of times, more so in the uh, Montoyo era, and it didn't go well. <laughs> so it's, it's tough to tough to find the perfect spot to utilize him obviously the perfect spot is when you're up by 10 runs to use any reliever but it's just it's so hard to to give up on on the strikeout ability but at the same time you you can't have a guy walking five per nine innings it's just not sustainable long term to have that in your bullpen 
Uh, yeah, especially when his number one pitch is the one that gets keyed yeah. off on. This is a team who's expected to win to win playoff rounds and get closer to a World Series this year. And it's hard to foresee the Trevor Richards of last year being a part of that team throughout the whole season if, if, if it goes the way it did. Yeah, there has to be drastic improvement, like like drastic. He's got to cut his walks uh, in yeah. more than in to, half. He needs to get back to that three benchmark of 2021. At, at I would the, even at argue it's got to be lower. I mean, if the strikeouts stay where they were last year, I can handle the three walks per nine. When you look at it, I mean, what were Jordan Romano's walk numbers? Uh, 2.95, so just about three, right? But he also strikes out batters, so it's the same thing. If you're going to strike out guys, you can't Romano give up the free passes. Yeah, the home runs are a big problem though too. Uh, I don't. I mean, I guess he did a better job last year. Yeah, the home runs weren't home a huge runs. issue. It was it was the left on base that or the uh, left on base numbers because of the walks. He was just giving up way too many free passes, and you can't afford to give up base hits when you give up walks because if you put a guy if you if you walk your first guy and give up a single suddenly you're first and second or first and third with nobody out and then you're in deep doo-doo <laughs> remember that game oh my god the game where you say kikuchi walked like the first seven batters or something, something like, like that, that. yeah like, jesus <laughs> christ that's like uh <laughs> that's the shit like that has that can never happen again no that needs to not be a thing and Trevor Richards is a threat to that. <laughs> is a th- so I, I just see him as being the most vulnerable spot. Candidates who might push him out of that role. I mean, it depends on how they want to develop Nate Pearson or Zulueta or Ricky Tiedemann. Like, because we need a long reliever. And Trevor Richards is just kind of taking up a spot right now. And I don't know. I don't trust him. I don't. I have a bad feeling. Every time he came into a game, I was ready to turn it off because I just knew what was coming. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. I, I totally agree. And like I, I'm I'm a believer in Trevor Richards. I do think that he can find something because of the the ability to strike people out. It's just purely a command issue again. And yeah, it's. If we're gonna win. 95 games we can't have that you can't have him blowing up every second or third outing you know like no. it, it, yeah it's it's tough the underlying numbers like outside of the walks like obviously the 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 fifth numbers are still very comparable to what he was a year prior when his era was two runs lower his f4 was the exact same 0.2 he's a perfectly adequate big league reliever and there's a reason why he's the seventh person on the depth chart according to fan graphs and that's because of his numbers last season. And I mean, he's he's whether or not he ends up staying at the Blue Jays the full season, he will get picked up by another team because of the ability to strike people out. Yep. Um, which is why he played for three teams in twenty twenty one, including the Blue Jays. Right? He's 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 got talent. Like he's a he's a big league pitcher. He just needs to be a consistent big league pitcher and not have those oof does. Somebody would pick him up if he went on yes. the waiver wire. If he's going to get waived, he's get, he's getting claimed. There's 100% certainty of that because there are teams out there who are in much worse situations than the Blue Jays in terms of their, their pitching staff. That being said, you he he'll, he won't get traded. He'll get waived. Yeah. He won't get anything for him. Yeah, most you you would Cash? get like you would get a a random player to be named later, a very very low ranked like 
outside the top 30 prospect for him. Or cash. Cash. Yeah. Dollary dues. Big old bag of, big old brown bag with a dollar sign written on it. Yeah, that's it. Let's talk about this last guy, but I want you to do it because I don't want to talk about him. Yeah, <laughs> the last guy, according <laughs> to Fangraphs, and they always they still include a long reliever, which is kind of an old school approach to baseball. There aren't too many teams who have like that designated long man anymore, but it's Mitch White for now. He's another guy who doesn't have any options. I broke down his 2022 numbers into two distinct groupings, his time with LA and his time with Toronto, because it was almost a tale of two seasons for Mitch White. 2021, he was actually relatively solid. He appeared in 21 games for the Dodgers and threw 46.2 innings. Um, Out of those games, Patrick, I'm just breaking it down here. In 2021, only four of them were starts. This year, 18 out of his 25 appearances were starts. So he was a different pitcher than he was in 2021. With the Dodgers as primarily a reliever in 2021, his strikeouts were at 9.5. Walks were 3.25. Home runs were 1.16. Batting average against was 211. Whip was 118. War, 366. And FIP and XFIP were both 383. He was a 0.54 player. In 2022, he started more often. Now, in his time with the Dodgers, he appeared in 21 games, or sorry, 15 games and started 10 of them. Blue Jays appeared in 10 games, started 8 of them. Now, the big differences here between his time with the Dodgers and Blue Jays were just kind of the batted ball stat. I mean, he went from a 276 Babbitt with LA to a 368 Babbitt with the Blue Jays. The, he actually got more ground balls in Toronto. Uh, he gave up fewer home runs in Toronto, but he also struck out a batter less per nine innings. He went from seven and a half down to six and a half. And then the walks went from uh, three up to 3.3 last season between the Jays and, and uh, the Dodgers and the Jays. ERA was the big loser here. Went from 370 as a Los Angeles Dodger to 774 as a Blue Jay, which was miles above his FIP and XFIP, which were 376 and 468 as a Jay. He was still worth 0.6 wins above replacement somehow as a Blue Jay and 0.7 as a Dodger for a 1.3 war season overall. The big thing for him was was batted balls. He lost the swing and miss. Uh, I guess he still didn't have much swing and miss with the Dodgers, but he, he lost whatever he did have there when he came over to Toronto. And for some reason, every ball on the ground was finding holes. You don't find many pitchers with a forty-eight or a forty-six percent walk rate who give up a three sixty-eight BABIP. It's uh, it's crazy. I think that's the reason why the Blue Jays aren't ready to give up on him yet. Is the underlying numbers definitely show that he has something there? He is the sixth starter on the depth chart right now, which is the reason why Fangraphs has him in in the long relief spot. If he had minor league options, you would see a guy like a Zach Pop. Uh, likely in the bullpen instead. But Zach Pop has options, and Mitch White does not. If he does not have a good spring, he has not appeared yet, by the way, because he had that shoulder impingement back in January. If he does have a bad spring when he finally does get ready, he's going to be a guy like, like Richards who would be waived or they'd try to find a trade partner for him. Um, but again, you're not really guaranteed to get much in return. So it's it's tough. Ready for another spicy take? Yep. I would rather have Zach Pop 
in this bullpen than Mitch White and Trevor Richards. Yes, I would too. And it's not even close. It's it isn't close. And the, the reason that he's reason, in here is the options thing. <laughs> yeah, the only reason that Mitch White will, will make would make this team uh, is because he has no options and they don't want to let him go for nothing. And that's the thing is the Jays, they can't let him go for nothing. They See, that's the thing is he would absolutely get picked up by at least half the league. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice broke there. Half the league would probably take him. Uh, and the other half wouldn't are probably playoff competing teams. But, like, it, though the, the half of the team that would take him wouldn't want to pay for him. So why would you pay for him if you can get him for free? And the Jays are kind of handcuffed. They had no choice. They either carry him and he does well or he shits a bed. And he's DFA'd, you lose him for nothing. And then he, he goes and be successful on another team. It's a bad spot to be in, in my opinion, to have to ha hang on to a guy because they have no options. Especially when they've demonstrated a lack of consistency. Now, I'm not going to just spend this entire segment, though, taking a shit on Mitch White. I'll tell you what he does real well. Guys can't hit home runs off of him. They just hit lots of singles and doubles. <laughs> okay, uh, he he walks a lot of guys, but not really like a crazy number. He just he just he just gets a snot hit out of him. <laughs> His fastball isn't as isn't really good as it was. Sliders, whatever. The curveball is all over the place. The sinkers. I just I don't even know. Like, what do I say? I'll say so. he's got a good slider. He's got a decent changeup. Yeah. Hopefully he's worked on some things uh, because his velocity is only slightly above average on like two of his pitches, the slider and the curve. The rest of it, it's it's average. He's not. Remember when we went into last year and our swingman was Ross Stripling? Yeah. Well, now it's Mitch White. Well. That's bad. Yeah, circumstances were there too, right? I mean, yeah, I know. I'm cherry picking a little bit, but <laughs> but I don't understand why Zach Pop wouldn't make this team. It's the options thing, and I mean, fuck it. Fangraphs depth charts aren't a gospel when it comes. No, to, they're not. It's 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 a it's a likelihood thing because of of options and contracts and team control and whatever else, yada yada. But by no means are these last two bullpen spots set in stone. They are clear as mud right now. Let's be okay. Let's try to be objective because obviously I would. Maybe I'm just struggling to get over uh, maybe an unconscious bias just because I just recall so many disastrous appearances by Mitch White. Give me two reasons why Mitch White should be on this team. Well, for one thing, I don't that think that have nothing to do with options. Yeah, for one thing, I don't think you can you can expect the BABIP to be as high as it was. If if the Blue Jays can get the Mitch White who was a Los Angeles Dodger last year, he is more than serviceable. He is a a good member of the team. He was worth a uh, .7 WAR in fifty six innings for the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. 
if you could get that, that's that's the same level of war as a Jimmy Garcia last year. Okay, sure. As Jimmy Garcia was a point nine in sixty one innings, so he pitched five more innings than than White pitched as a Dodger. Now the fact that White has that uh, that swingman availability, if there ever is a time when say. Uh, like when Manoa fell and hurt his back that one time at Fenway or when Jesus Gosman takes a comeback around the foot and they have yeah. to miss one start, he's a guy who could, you could slot in for that one start. Not a guy that I would want to start for a full season. He's not Ross Stripling. We, we know that. He's not going to have the type of year that Stripling did last year. But he's a guy who, depending on which version of Mitch White shows up and which version of batted ball luck he gets... He is a guy who could eat some innings for you. He's not going to be Eric Swanson or Anthony Bass or Jordan Romano or Jimmy Garcia in terms of whiff numbers and whatever else. But I still do think and believe that he still has that value as a big league pitcher. And yeah, like we, we saw him 10 times last year and the innings weren't good. Like they weren't quality innings that he pitched. But even being with that very being said, right now. yeah. With that being said, though, Patrick, he was he was still a point six WAR player with the Blue Jays, and that's because all of the the metrics and the stats believe that he was largely the victim of of some tough times. I mean, if you look at he he had a couple of good starts. He had a start on September the thirteenth against Tampa Bay, where he went six innings and only gave up three runs. Didn't walk a batter, struck out two. I think that's a Mitch White start. He gave up three earned runs on seven hits, but he didn't hurt himself in that game. Uh, the team, he had a no decision there, by the way, too. There was another game, uh, <laughs> like a couple of days later, where he, he went f- four innings and gave up three runs. I mean, that's what you can expect. He's probably going to give up three runs, but if you can get four, five, six innings out of him as a starter, you'd be happy with it. It's those other games where he gives up six or seven runs or five runs that are going that are going to kill you. But it depends on which Mitch White shows up. And I think that the Blue Jays are hopeful that they can get Dodgers Mitch White and not Blue Jays Mitch White. Does Mitch White make this team, yes or no? As of now, yes. But I need need to see him pitch in the spring first, or he might even start on the IL, which would be an interesting thing to happen. If he does, it's Zach Pop. It's Zach Pop. Yeah, Welcome it's it's the, it's yeah, likely well. Zach Pop, or it could even be Adrian Hernandez, the screwballer. No, no chance. <laughs> you say that. That's another discussion for another time. Okay. I really, I'm just trying to find positive stuff. Yeah. I, I, we have to see him pitch this spring. That's out of the 13 pitchers we've previewed so far, the two that are most vulnerable are Trevor Richards and Mitch White. And Yusuke Kikuchi. <laughs> I would say he's the most vulnerable starter, but yeah. who, who replaces Yusei Kikuchi? Yeah, right now it's Mitch White, <laughs> and, oh, and he hasn't pitched yet this spring. So there really, there really, <sighs> truly isn't the sixth option for starting pitching right now because Mitch White hasn't even thrown a, a, a ball off a mat, or a I'm ball in a game yet this spring. I'm about to throw out a name right now, and you're gonna, you're gonna fucking hate this. I have a name for you, for this for. For a starter replacement starter well there's two number one casey lawrence that one goes down pretty easy yeah uh no that's fine that's palatable <laughs> you want to know who the other one is ricky you're, I kn- you're ready to fight i already know it <laughs> ricky tiedemann no nope. thomas hatch nope oh 
it's Drew Hutchinson. Oh God, no! If if yep. Hutch, yes, if Hutch is, is on this yes, team, yes it is. Yes it oh, is. Oh my God! Go look at the depth chart. Yes it is. I know it's, you're right, but it doesn't disgusting. mean it's the right. It doesn't mean it's right. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. The starting depth is, on this team is not ideal in terms of big league starting pitching. Obviously, it's a problem. Yeah, obviously Ricky Tiedemann has big league stuff, but he threw 75 innings last year. We got to pump our brakes a little bit there. Yeah, yeah, and he's 20. We said this last episode that he'll he'll force his way onto the team like Manoa did. That's the only way he's pitching baseball this year is if he's just mowing down batters at Double A AA and Triple A. He's got to force his way to the big leagues. They will give Drew Hutchison or Thomas Hatch or Casey Lawrence starts before they will give Ricky Tiedemann starts to start the season. It's Casey Lawrence is the guy, uh, but I'm I'm telling you, man. Bring back Aaron Sanchez while we're at it. <laughs> is Marco Estrada's back okay? Like, could he come out of retirement? Like, oh man, I fucking love Marco Estrada. <laughs> Remember how good his changeup was? It was great for two years, so and then good. it wasn't. Um, well, that's well, that's time. Father Time is undefeated. Yeah, he is. But I, it's really I know Drew Hutchinson is the answer to the question, but it's not an answer that goes down very easy. Casey Lawrence is probably the best option, but it's like you're looking at like bullpen days most likely where Casey Lawrence opens and then you really you're ask you're gonna be asking a lot of Trevor Richards. Man, I'm just if, getting like I'm getting like Vietnam War flashbacks to Drew Hutchison being the opening day starter. It's that was a dark time in Blue Jays history. It was 2015. It's a dark time. And actually, his splits between home and on the road, he was actually good at home. He was terrible on the road. It was yeah. really bad. I, I, I'm i not ready to close the book on Drew Hutchinson, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not ready to open it either. I'm leaving it on the shelf. I'm, yeah, it's, it's, not it's not on the shelf. Right, up. It's on the shelf right now. It's, got a, it's one of those books that has like a, a lock and key binding on it for me. Like, it's... If, let's say, I lost let's the key. say I ate it. Mitch White doesn't impress you during spring training, or he starts on the IL. It's, Zach Pop. It's Zach Pop all the way. So then, but if one of the starters nobody's gets getting hurt, hurt Patrick, I, I refuse to believe this. All right, all right, all right. No, we're done with speculation then. Yeah. But we've established the fact that Drew Hutchinson does. Hutch Hutch is on the he's on the depth chart as he play, a yeah he plays in the list seventh he's, he's, starter. And it doesn't go down oh very smooth. Hurts, but hurts me physically. I'd rather Drew Hutchinson than Mitch White. My trust in Mitch White is very shaky. So, especially if he's still hurt. So, I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm upset that I even brought it up. But here we are. I'm just like, I'm just over <sighs> here just blinking into the distance because. I know. I just can't. I can't fathom a world. Where Drew Hutchinson where starts Drew Hutchinson for the is, Toronto Blue Jays at home. Oh it, it, was he that bad? It's just when you think of the fact that he was an opening day starter on a season where the team was good. Holy fuck, that hurts. I'll tell you. I'll tell you a couple things. <laughs> I'll tell you a couple things. Was it really 2015 that he started opening day? I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, Drew oh, Hutchinson. Fuck. We trade. We like he was traded. Uh, he did not appear 
in MLB in 2017 or 2019 or How did he go 13 and 5 that year? Like Yeah, because he was a baller he, at home. He had a he five yeah, 557 ERA and he won 13 games. Yeah, because he was good at home and he was terrible on the road. Holy fuck. Oh my god, he was No, he was terrible. Oh wait, that's 2022 splits. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, he was awful on the Here's road. Here's the thing, his four seamer Holy last year. Holy shit. He was a, almost a 10 ERA on the road? Yeah. He was oh bad. my god. Just like at leave, home, him, leave him at home. At home? He's great. Yeah, he It's tell weird. him tell him the plane leaves at 9 when it actually left at 7. Like holy yeah. shit. Last year Drew Hutchinson fastball not great. Oh my god. Uh it was his worst pitch. He he threw a slider a lot. It was thirty seven percent of the time. Negative run value pitch. He's got a good slider. I don't think he's I've got ever a good seen more of a splitty split than that. I know he's got a great sinker. Oh Changeup is eh, not great, but the fastball was just. It was going oh. somewhere. Oh my uh, god! I'm I'm like physically ill looking at those split numbers. I just can't get over it. I've never seen anything like that. That'd be like if was, a batter hit like. Zero one zero at home and a thousand on the road. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's that's, ugly. that's the caliber of split like that. But he uh, he was a four point five three ERA last year, which doesn't really tell you a good story. But I'll tell you, fastball was not good. It's not. It's below league average as oh, far as God. speed goes. I'm not sure. The movement doesn't really appear on the heat map very much. It looks like it's just pretty much just like a red. The radar gun just circle. registers as null when he throws. That's mean. He has a above average slider and a, a, a league average change up as far as velocity goes. It's just a slow fastball, and oh, it was shit. just left up in the zone, and it went really far. The ball got hit really far. But again, Detroit, terrible team. Probably yeah, was yeah. very inspiring. Yeah. The whip yeah. was bad last year, 1.48. This is the problem. This is the problem. I didn't go into his fan graphs too much because I didn't think we'd even talk about him. No. But. We're I didn't here. Want to. No, I know, but we're here right now, and we're going to talk about it. I've we've talked there, about it enough. We've given him way too much airtime. There's. I'm done. I'm over it. He is. I think he'll probably end up logging some innings for us, but I don't. Fuck no! Please. God, starting. No. no, maybe not. Opening. I could see that on bullpen days if someone gets hurt. Let him log a hundred innings down in AAA and call it a season, like. Probably, but he, you know he's probably going to get called up at some point. But anyway, Shit. That's maybe depressing. on a day, on a doubleheader day. What a depressing way to end an episode. No, because we're going to loop it all the way back to Jordan Romano. The top five in our bullpen are <laughs> are strong. I think we have a very strong bullpen. It's been many years since we had a and, bullpen this strong. And we didn't talk about Chad Green today. He's going to start the season on the IL. Uh, I he, would. He will come back. I put him had, under Tim Meza, but yeah, he had the surgery June first. So if you yeah. look at twelve to thirteen months, he's he's gonna be like a trade a trade deadline end of July kind of guy. He'll be back to pitch probably full months in August and September this year. And because of that weird contract, he could be a Blue Jay for the next four seasons, depending on how those options and whatever work out. Or none. Or he could be a free agent if if it all goes awry. But he's a guy. With a career 3.17 ERA as a relief pitcher, he logged 83 innings for New York in 2021, and was worth 1.6 WAR that year, and struck out 10 and a half batters per nine while walking under two batters per nine. So, when he comes back, 
if Trevor Richards is still in the bullpen, if Mitch White is somehow in the bullpen, that's the time when one of those guys could get the old DFA, the old heave-ho. Because the guys above them, Meza, Garcia, Bass, Swanson, and Romano, obviously aren't going anywhere. So it'll be a, it'll be a good problem to have when Chad Green is ready to come back, assuming he does come back this season. So, yowza. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did some damage here, didn't I? You did some mental damage to me. I need to go for a long walk to collect my thoughts, and then they just like lay on the floor and look at the ceiling for a bit, and really contemplate the, the meaning of life. If Drew Hutchison is a pitcher for the Blue Jays this year, I think we're going to be fine, man. I hope so. <laughs> I think we're going to be fine. We have a deep bullpen. The fact that we're talking about hypotheticals for a seven starter. This is why I don't like hypotheticals. They make me they make me sad. I think we're I think it, we're going to be fine. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Well. Uh, <laughs> we're an hour and twenty five minutes into this. Anything oh that God. you want to add before we wrap it no, up? No, I think we've rambled long enough. Yeah. Uh, if you're still here, thanks again for listening to another long episode of BFMB. We'll be doing the hitters. I'm not sure if we'll do them all at once because there's 13 of them. Might be a infield, outfield kind of thing. Um, but we'll be looking at the hitting preview in the coming episodes as well as we march on towards opening day. I believe we're 25 days away now. Yes, March, March 30th is opening day and it's the fifth today so that would make mathematical sense um appreciate you listening as always you can find us on twitter at bfmd podcast website is bfmdpodcast.com listen wherever you get your podcasts uh, feel free to share the show like hit that smash that like button whatever you have to do follow us on spotify follow us on apple so you get notifications when episodes go live for patrick out in halifax i'm justin here in saskatoon we will see you next time.